Hello, and welcome back to the Real Professional Podcast, the podcast where air quotes real professionals interview non-air quotes real professionals. Uh, I know I'm, I always say that I'm excited about this week, but this week um, I'm extra excited because we just announced the uh, DreadX Collection. It's the bundle of games that we are going to be coming out with. We, as in DreadXP, we are uh, publishing it, putting it out. We gathered all the developers, and we're going to be going into a bit of that today. We're going to be running a series where we interview Everyone that's involved, uh, it's going to be really, really, it's going to be for some cool shows. So um, why don't you guys just tune in for that? Keep coming back uh, over the next couple of weeks. We're going to be coming out with a much faster schedule. But uh, without further ado, DJ, drop that sick beat. Welcome back, um, all you lovely listeners out there. Uh, I'm joined today, as always, by Jesse. Say hi, Jesse. Hi, Jesse. And by John, who is with uh, the Scythe Dev Team. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you guys doing? Good. Uh, it's 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 a pretty cool show that we have today because, uh, like I said in the intro, uh, we recently announced the DreadX Collection with John and the rest of the Scythe Dev Team are a part of that. And. Oh, yeah, fantastic so, yeah actually you know that's the funny thing is that it really is like going way better than i i thought it would not that I, better than i thought it would uh let me rephrase that because i don't want to see like i don't have confidence in the idea but like i really didn't know how this would go because um it's it's a bit of a of a crapshoot to try to get 10 developers together all working on their own projects but also kind of collaborating and i wasn't really sure i would go but it's like the the cross-pollination the collaboration has been really great so far yeah, it's uh, everyone's kind of inspiring each other, pushing each other further, and uh, all the ideas are are very diverse and they're different. And it's going to be a very, it, it goes all over the place. There's tons of different styles and perspectives, and that's kind yeah. of the things that makes it so rad. It reminds me a lot of uh, me and one of the programmers on my team, Caleb. We started as a record label, and we used to gather all these people from the synthwave scene from all over the world, and we'd have a concept. Uh, incidentally, a story tied into the very universe our games are set in, and then we'd all make a song and we'd write a story to it. And this reminds me of that. We haven't done that since we started making games, so it's like kind of coming full circle. Although this is a much bigger thing because it's all video games, not just songs. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, I mean, in the the it's crazy because we have the Discord live where everyone's uh, kind of collaborating on it, and it seems that like you know the like you said the cross pollination of ideas has been. Really, really, really sweet to see so far. Um, but, you know, before we get into specifically your game and the development process, uh, we're going to have to do a, a quick bit of news, 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 news. Um, what is that from? What is news, news, news? I, I just said it one time, and we we do it now. I swear yeah. that was on all that, something like that. Oh, I don't remember. That I mean, that would be like, gosh, I I decade a decade of alcohol abuse has since erased all of my childhood <laughs> memories. So maybe it's back there somewhere within the the dark recesses of my child brain, trapped trapped within my soul. But no, I don't, I don't actively remember it as being from anything. Um, but yeah, so uh, news music insert here, and then the news music is going to go real quick. Jesse usually leaves in all these moments where I say what's going to happen just for like comedic effect and timing, so we're going to see how this all turns out in the end. Um, but yeah, so the big news, uh, there's only one news story worth newsing about, uh, which is uh, Resident Evil 8 rumors. No, I'm just kidding. Who cares about those? Uh, it's the Dread X collection. So recently on Dread XP, Mr. Dread XP, who is uh, myself, 
uh, announced that there is a collection that is being put out with 10 different indie developers. Now, I, I figured we wanted to take a moment to clarify exactly what this is um, because there, there's a few articles that have come out about it recently and they keep getting it wrong. So I'm, at the beginning of every podcast, I'm going to re-go over again what it actually is. The DreadX collection is the first volume of hopefully hundreds of thousands of volumes of uh, 10 games created by 10 different indie developers. Those 10 games are going to be pulled together into a mini-game collection. It's all going to be launched through the same application. There's going to be... Um, I don't want to reveal too much about it because it's actually a game in and of itself. Uh, the launcher we are creating for it is its own kind of ARG uh, where you select the games and uh, then you, you play them as though you are... Uh, think about it in, as in the terms of Super Mario 64, about how you jump through the paintings and you get into this other world. That's kind of what we're doing for this launcher here. So you're getting 10 games uh, for just 7 bucks Now, those $7, uh, five of those dollars are for the creators, um, the, the, the production costs, all that kind of stuff. And then two of those dollars are dollars that we kind of push on to the end there because we're donating those two extra bucks to Doctors Without Borders. So there's a charity aspect to it. You get 10 games for five bucks, which is awesome. And uh, the cool thing is, is that all these games are made within a week. We wanted to try to do, have some a project that would be reasonable and feasible, but also, you know, short time frame, quick turnaround. Because uh, I, I, I've had this belief for a long time that horror is, its, is at its best when it's most distilled. So I'm saying, I'm coming to these developers and saying, give me your most distilled best concept for what we're, we're calling the playable teaser bundle. Now, obviously PT really big in the gaming world. So we wanted to take that idea of the playable teaser. And instead of just recreating 10 spooky hallways, there's enough spooky hallway games out there. Just go check itch.io or the steam pages. Um, but instead of, so instead of creating 10 spooky hallway games, instead we're creating 10 playable teasers where these developers are coming out and they're, you know, basically trying to create, the playable teaser for their dream project. And so uh, I head up, you know, this is where we're going to start bringing in the rest of the the, the crew here to talk about. Because, uh, you know, those are, those are the hard details is that we got 10 developers. We got uh, some really, really cool ones. You can actually check out the whole article on uh, dreadxp.com uh, where I list everyone's names. But I'm going to do it again here real quick. Uh, but, you know, I can't you can't click the link in my voice. So go there. Uh, to dreadxp.com to check out the, the 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 full article with everyone. But we got Airdorf, we got Lovely Hellplace, we got Malik, we got Oddbreeze, we got Scythe Dev Team, we got Secret Cow Level, Showrunner Games, Strange Scaffold, uh, the Dusk Dev, and Torpal Duke. Uh, all great developers, and I've loved seeing what they have so far. And they've got some really diverse stuff. Um, but yeah, so uh, John, you and your team are part of that. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's been really cool, uh, very exciting. Uh, the hardest part probably was landing on an idea because we just have so many potential games we were gonna go with, and uh, we're probably gonna make one out of every single one we came up with eventually, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I mean, up on it's... something pretty, it's pretty different than what we've already released. So we're challenging ourselves uh, beyond just the game jam parameters and. Uh, Speaking on that, you said you like to get stuff going, like the spontaneity of horror. It's funny because when you, the devs themselves are having existential crises and panicking, uh, trying to get something done that comes through in the game, you get scared. <laughs> uh, you can feel that. It's like Paranoid, the song Sabbath wrote in a day to appease their record label, and it became one of their biggest smash hits. Yeah. Well, that's the, I, I've said this for a while about horror is that, you know, it's a lot of times people overcomplicate what horror uh, games need to be but it's I, that's why i've always really liked some of these indie games that you get off of you know um itch.io or something or uh one of your previous games entity is one of the ones that i really i really enjoyed entity um because you know it's it's really basic like the gameplay mechanics incredibly basic you just you're you're just walking and it's through the lens of a guy that's live streaming so it's kind of got this camera with this um this feed, the chat feed, but it's it's a really basic game. You're just walking through areas, but it's very uh, effective because you're focused on this singular mechanic. You're not worried about, you know, is Call of Duty is like, you know, what gun do I have? How much ammo do I have? What's my perks? Do I have my kill streaks active? Like, all of that would take away from the fact that there's a zombie in your face, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 
you know, and how, how you upgrade your weapons and stuff. But yeah, NTT was a big love letter to, uh, just like all the streamers that have played our games. It, there was just so many that kind of just catapulted us into the eyes of many people on itch.io. Like I think Jack Septic guy was one of the first CJU games. I Easy, crazy plays, Dom plays, SJ Nusser, Om Wrecker, blood binary, HD fatty. And then even like some of them like became our patrons. And, uh, one of them, I, physical gamers he makes like short films with oddest of the odd and uh they they got me for a song so i like wrote the soundtrack to their short film dead by dawn it's really cool it's just meeting all these different streamers and seeing how much they help indie game devs and bat and so forth because we're you know it's a very symbiotic process so that was definitely a love letter to that you know all those people that helped us out yeah, and what I would say is that this the interesting thing about this indie market is that it's it's like super underserved. Um like how how do I put this? So there's there's some games that get really popular in the indie sphere and that's like your Undertales, that's your um you know Return of the Overden, Papers Please, etc. But there's a ton of games out there and a ton of streamers that play these games with with like very like the net following for these these if you add up all these indie horror streamers is like in the millions. And there's basically nothing that comes out from any major company that caters to this market. And, you know, when I was going to the the, the finance people, our, our excellent partners at uh, Epic, Epic Pictures Group, um, they were like, is there a market for these indie style horror games? Because, you know, a lot of the, the business world is still in that old school, like, indie horror movie mindset. And... You know, they haven't realized that, you know, a lot of the people that like indie horror movies are from uh, the era. Uh, they're probably, you know, c- closer to our age. I mean, I don't want to date myself, but they're people that still like buy physical media and stuff. But that kind of um, that fandom transferred to a younger demographic is almost all digital media. And so the, this old guard of people that are making these older indie horror movies or publishing them don't really see that there's this huge market there, which is why we don't see more games coming out for this community. But like you said, like there's, there's streamers with, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers or subscribers or even millions that pretty much all they do is play these style of games, you know? Absolutely. And and when they're doing it live on Twitch as a dev, I can say like, like we worked on this game walls closing in for a year, like capped off a whole trilogy. Uh, originally they were all going to be one game. In fact, uh, Grove, King's Comfort and Walls Closing In, I wrote it as one big story. We all did it on a conference call, but you know, we were just starting, so we chopped it up. But when, uh, when, when, like, our Patreon streamers, like, uh, Burleasy, he, like, he live streamed it to, like, 3,000 people. It felt like a movie premiere. We were like, oh, sick. It was just crazy to watch live, you know? Yeah. No, I, I imagine it's like, that'd as be a cool. developer, too, um, you, you can't really play your game in the same way you would like Red Dead Redemption 2. You know, you jump in there and you're immersed, but it's hard to be immersed when you designed all the psychological things you put in to, to screw with people. So when you watch other people, it's like you're vicariously living your game through someone else. You're watching your own movie play out. It's, it's fucking tremendous. Yeah, no, I imagine. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I've been to film premieres before. Uh, for films that I, I was reviewing for for work and stuff, and that that meant that sense of like I'm in this room with these these people that are watching it and they're enjoying it for the directors for the cast it doesn't matter how famous you get you know like they're always so stoked to be there it's always an amazing experience the energy in the room is great and I've always felt that it's you know kind of kind of sad that gamer games. And game developers don't really get that same experience because they don't, they're not there. I mean, they get to watch the numbers rise up on their Steam charts and that feels good. And they're probably getting drunk in their office, which is its own kind of fun. But, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> um, talking across the world to each other. It's just like you're on a conference call on Discord. Like, we did it. Yeah, exactly. But, a different you know, time today, you know. <laughs> but with the, uh, the streaming thing, you know, you really do have the chance to, like, like you were saying, it's like a movie premiere. premiere. You get, to see that reaction firsthand, you get to see that raw, uninterneted footage. You know, no one's watched the Let's Play yet. No one's read the strategy guide. They're still figuring it out together, and that's, you know, that that distilled first time playing the game horror experience. And 
uh, th- that's kind of one of the reasons I, why I, when I was coming up with the idea for the, the Dread X collection, I was like, let's get 10 different games so that, you know, someone, if, if they did want to try to go through the rigmarole of watching a playthrough, they're going to have to watch, you know, 10 different playthroughs, but it's so much easier to just jump in the game and try to figure it out. Oh yeah, definitely. And you get more scared too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and like, like, like you were saying with the variety, I mean, we've got such cool stuff coming out here. Um, Who's yeah, yours? Too. So you get like you get scared ten times, ten different ways, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, they're totally different. Uh, who who's been your favorite to see come along? Oh, I can't pick. They're all so dope. I like um, the Dust game. Looks like a really fun old school FPS. Uh, Airdorf has that really cool. It's like Tamagotchis, and they used to ban those in school. Um, what I really like is, like, it seems like so many of these devs, um, like the insect game and uh, the, the the walk through the... They all... They might be this, around the same age bracket. It's like all these PSX or just indie horror stuff. It, you could tell we all grew up watching, like, Evil Dead and, and Romero zombie movies <laughs> and slasher flicks and John Carpenter, like the god of synth music and Fabio Frizzi crushing it and Cannibal Holocaust. It's just weird because we also all play video games. So like the way that these two are kind of put into an alchemy into new games is yeah. uh, you just see so many interpretations of like, oh, this reminds me of a game I grew You see these games, it's like, oh, this could have been a game on PS1 in the 90s and I could have been playing it in my dorm room or something and it's just yeah. mind-blowing and a lot of the games in here they have that too um yeah uh torpal duke has that what, what kind of game is that it's like a it's it's like it's like old school uh might and magic like before heroes of might and magic yeah, yeah. Like, yeah those kind of old school rpgs uh but it's Over. like a wizard simulator yeah, everything looks really cool. Uh, Mr. Bucket is kind of like that episode of Mighty Boosh with the coconuts. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited to see what everyone comes up, like, finishes up with because uh, everything everyone shared has been really, really rad so far. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, is that, like, uh, so one of them is actually, like, pretty much done, and that's, that's Kyle's game. Uh, he had to start a little bit early because of work stuff. And it's pretty cool to see, like, how he actually, like, made a game in, like, a week and how it is functional. And I'm trying to, like, it's cool to see the skeleton of these games kind of start getting some flesh put on it and, like, having more of a game kind of congeal out of the, the random parts being stapled together. It's pretty cool. Dude, I swear this could be a reality show. Just get a bunch of devs in a mansion, like, uh, and then have them all do a game jam. And then just get people to make pompous string music for the music, dun, 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 you know, like in reality shows. and It'd be a, it'd be really cool to watch. Uh, I, I don't know if there ever has been a show about game development. You know what the thing is is that with this, I, I, I don't, I don't know if it would really make a good reality show because everyone's getting along too well. <laughs> yeah, that is that is true. That is true. We'd have to fake some drama. Yeah, basically. I mean, but that's the thing. It's not like everyone's most, just been so friendly. The most mature reality show. <laughs> yeah. Most yeah. respect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, the variety is like when I was like going about trying to figure out who to bring in, I, I, I really wanted to try to get like the most variety in devs. So it was like, you know, we got we got Dusk Dev who made Dusk. So I was like, hey, make a shooter kind of thing. But um, when I was first talking to him, uh, which, you know, we'll we'll interview him in a, in a couple episodes here. Uh, he was like, oh, yeah, I actually like before he came out with Dusk, he came out with a number of uh like indie, like as you'd imagine, an inch die horror game. You're walking around a room, you're picking up keys and stuff. That was how he got his start. And he was like, "I really want to try to like, you know, go back into the mixture of the shooter with the that kind of original thing I did genre." And it's it was really cool, just like hearing how excited everyone was to work on this project. Like you go into the Discord, not not anyone feels like they're like being forced to really. Like no one's just working for the paycheck here, you know. That's that's the thing with indie games in general. There's a lot of passion. You know, we don't have giant budgets, but we believe in everything we do, and the work comes through. And and really, like we, it doesn't matter if we don't have a giant open world map. It's all about the experience. Yeah. And then, like you know, 
even though we're all kind of pulling on the same nostalgia, I really do feel like a lot of indie devs have their own signature voice and style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially uh, this the soda drinker guy. I'm I'm really excited to see what he comes out with. He um he used to play in bands. Like I talked to him briefly uh, after the, like the initial everyone saying, "Hey, what's up?" in the conference call, and uh, he was in these bands where he dressed up like a monster and he like went on tour and opened for like P Funk and Bob Weir the dead and stuff and i was just like wow like i think i've crossed paths with that dude when i was playing festivals too at some yeah. point like i've seen that monster band i don't know if he was in it at the time but they were like kind of close by they're in rhode island and i'm in mass so this is cool it's just you see people that are you know two steps two degrees away or whatever yeah no i mean it is pretty cool to uh that's that's the other thing i've noticed is that what you said about crossing paths like that so when i you know, when I got um, uh, David on, who's, who's desk dev, his, his real name is Dave uh, something Polish. <laughs> it's hard to pronounce Polish names. My girlfriend's Polish. I get to say that. Um, but uh, when I first talked to him, he was like, yeah, you know, one of those old school games that I made was this game called Fingerbones. And I was like, holy shit, I like reviewed Fingerbones six years oh, yeah. ago. That's like, I, I didn't even know that was him. And, you know, it's that's one of the cool things about working in a, an environment like this is that you get to run into people. You're like, Oh shit. Like I didn't realize that you were like already in this other space. And then, you know, like Torpal Duke, who I've been really cool to see what he's coming out with, but he like went to school with air dwarf. And I was like, that's like, you know, just to see like the, the, the paths crossing and hopefully like, you know, this will just be another, what I, what I hope for this project is it'll be another, you know, once these people cross paths again in the future, like, oh, yeah, I remember working with them on this project. And that was really cool. Like, I want I want it, I want this to be another good milestone in like the overall careers of everyone involved. I and, think uh, I think it will be. And everyone's definitely appreciative. It's it's really humbling to work with a bunch of people. That, that's uh, the, that's the funny thing, too, is that like. You know, everyone's yeah, saying like that like are and, and, and journalism is, you know, that's just as integral to everything. Well, everyone's been saying in the chats that it's like, oh, man, I feel like I'm, I'm working with Titans here. I feel like I'm the little guy working with Titans. But everyone's been everyone's saying, saying that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've noticed that, too. It's funny. Yeah. yeah and, uh, you know, the the music library I, I work for, the guy that runs that, he um he did music on Vigilante 8. Remember that game? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I love shit like that. Just, just all these old school games, and like you were saying, just all these paths crossing, uh, crossing from back in the day again. And yeah, that is uh, super cool. Gosh, I'm just now I'm thinking about Vigilante Eight. <laughs> God, that's, yeah, that's... And that's that's a side thing I do. I mean, like I've, I recently got music on SmackDown, WWF, but of course it all happened at the Apocalypse. It's annoying. It's like, oh, you got all these placements in ESPN and CBS with your music, and then no. The world's like kind of stopping. It's like, so what's <laughs> going to happen? You know, like I, I hope these take like nine months to come through. So I don't know, but it's cool anyway. It's yeah. That's another thing that I wanted to hit on real quick, you know, especially because you're in the music industry. You're like, you'll understand that this, this project, like the fact that we're trying to get like first off payment up front. And then secondly, well, I probably shouldn't talk about too many of the details of the economics of it, but like, you know, even Patrick was saying this when we were doing the, the Hollywood reporter interview is like, you know, our goal is to try to, you know, get this out there and get people paid as soon as possible. We're not doing like a net 180. We're not doing a net 270, um, which if, if people listening aren't aware, a lot of contracts will pay you net profits at certain date. So it's like for net 180, it'll be like, oh, you'll get paid a percentage of net profits at 180 days. So like that's like, you know, six months down the line is when you get paid for your work. Yeah. And like when you when you give anyone like that upfront budget, it's like it just gives them a chance to prioritize. Like when I do music, I get commissioned for stuff. If someone's going to pay me up front, I'll be able to put attention to that quicker. It's like, all right, I'll get you that theme song a little bit faster yeah, because it's already paid for it. So I just, but I mean, that's never really, you know, even when I'm doing commissions, every, every project I ever approach, it's always from a place of passion. So like, you know, I did, it's music, so even if it's a style I never worked in, maybe I'll find a new passion. I, I got an assignment for lo-fi hip-hop songs, a genre I never really dabbled in. I made G-Funk, and then I looked it up, and I made a few songs, and it ended up being a full album that became the soundtrack of uh, the last game we released, Happy Humble's Burger Barn. Yeah. yeah. The Landing Gear album. Which, by so, the way, 
just everyone out there that hasn't played Happy Humble's Burger Barn, uh, you you really should because uh, Happy's Humble Burger Barn, not Humby Hap, whatever. Happy's Humble, whatever. I said it right once. It's That's all that matters. Yeah, uh, but uh, you really should because um, that was one where I thought it was going one direction and then it completely switches about like eighty percent of the way through. Uh, I, that one's getting a real good reception. It's awesome. A lot of people are uh, playing it, and uh, usually I'm the guy that goes on YouTube and tries to leave personalized comments as I watch every playthrough because I appreciate everyone doing it. But this time I've been putting the speed on at 1.5 and because uh, we're working on this game, the game jam. Um, so like I'm jumping between working on the game Car Thank, which is our game's title, and then jumping back into trying to cover um comments on all these videos i'm definitely behind like a few dozen but i did i just love seeing it you know well you know now that we're kind of getting into the more specifics of your game uh why don't you first off give us an overview of how your team works because you have like this kind of interesting setup uh where you kind of have you're pulling a bunch of different talents to, to specialize but you all kind of still know how to do a bit of each other's jobs as well so why don't you just go over real quick who is the scythe dev team Okay, Scythe Dev Team uh, was started by me, Caleb, and Blake. Uh, Caleb and me have actually been working together for almost 10 years. We started as a record label known as Scythe Saga Records, a lot of synthwave albums, compilations with a bunch of synthwave people from around the scene. We actually had a, a John Carpenter son on a track, Cody Carpenter, an incredible musician, and tons of great synthwave acts like 2600, uh, I can't even list them all. There's just dozens, democles. But um, he used to do um, merchandise for the synthwave scene, uh, cassettes with uh, Tribe Nine, Weekend Warrior, and Merchwave, three little things he ran. And um, eventually we started making games on Construct 2, and uh, we, we were doing stuff that was kind of like Papers, Please, that you mentioned, Hotline Miami. We never finished anything. We had like games almost done and we're like, we don't like this. A few years later, he picked up Unity and uh, brought Blake on as it, which is his childhood friend. And he became the modeler. And then we were, uh, we hit the ground running. We abandoned probably four projects from January 2018 or I think it was March, March 2018 to June. And then, um, <laughs> it's funny. I got hospitalized with some something called rhabdomyolysis, which is your your muscles are melting, and uh, and then your kidneys get clogged and fail because of the muscles. But uh, this is weird. But like when I got out of the hospital from that, they're like, let's make a game about the Specter City Slasher, and that was Northbury Grove. It took six months, and uh, we released it October of 2018. Uh, it blew up. Somehow, we didn't know. I guess a lot of it's just because of our peripheral experience at the record label. We just plugging away. We started marketing a little early, just little blurbs here and there, nothing crazy, no budget, just our time and our passion. And the right people played it, and it just blew up, and a lot of people played it. It still gets downloaded like 50 times a day. Um, and then since then, we just kept plugging games out. Uh, our second game was King's Comfort which was a direct sequel to Northbury Grove, same night, different person. Then after that, we did Cultists and Compounds uh, with help from Unsealed Wings is a YouTuber, and he, uh, he runs Owl Nest Studios, another horror indie dev, working on Aislinn's story. Um, and he, he was the voice of Joey Highstakes on uh, Entity. He oh, was, was an he? Actual... Yeah, yeah, so we wanted to get... You know, like the, our patrons that are streamers are a little busy. So he couldn't really approach them. And, and Dylan, his name's Dylan. He's always quick to help us out. And uh, then uh, eventually Henry joined the team. Henry's a new member. He's uh, He helps Caleb with the programming. And he joined uh, after Walls closing in. So like after Cultists, we released Senile Showdown, uh, first person beat him up. Like if Final Fight was a first person beat him up, I guess. Uh, and then Walls closing in, which took a year of development. That was a big, big game. Uh, that capped off the Slasher trilogy. And then Henry joined. We did Entity. And then we just released Happy Humbles. And then you hit us up at the perfect time because we were wrapping up Happy's Humble for April 1st as the one-year anniversary of Cultists. 
and you just happened to hit us up right as we were finishing development and and we finished up development made a patch or two and then the game jam started and then that's where we're we're at now Carthank, our sci-fi horror game yeah no i mean it's it's kind of serendipitous Uh, a lot of the people that i've hit up are are kind of between projects right now Uh, unfortunately a lot of them are between projects because of uh, the coronavirus um which sucks because uh a lot of people have been losing. Some of them have contract work that they've lost. Some of them have day jobs that they've lost. Uh, it really sucks. But um, I mean, honestly, it's the, the the flip side of it is that people have a lot more time to sit in Discord and talk about their ideas, which it seems like everyone's doing all day now with the the project. Yeah, there's the silver lining. If we can make it. You have to make a silver line out of bad situations like that, you know? Um, like I was saying, I got all those songs licensed and I'm just beginning. I'm a beginner in all this. And my first incoming royalties have been affected. But my first big score with placing music and all these TV shows like uh, Growing Up Hip Hop and NBA The Jump and all these podcasts on ESPN, uh, Smackdown, boom, <laughs> this, this stuff hits. The world yeah. is in turmoil and it's... But... You know, was, I, I hope everyone is able to fight through it. You know, everyone's got to be careful in the way that they interact in public. You know, yeah. Well, I've you know, we're gonna feeling. we're we're gonna sell a billion copies of this too. So who cares? Yeah, and that'll help a lot of people. <laughs> property, uh, the the charity profit. The charity profit, yeah. The nonprofit profits. Yeah, it'll yeah. it'll help people. And yeah. you know what? It'll help people that are stuck inside too. They're bored. They need some entertainment. Yeah, I mean, hope that's what I was like thinking. Like, you know, with ten games, you're gonna get so much different variety. But you know, speaking of what they're gonna be getting, why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about your game that's gonna be coming out with the bundle? All right. So our game is called Carthank, which is a planet in our in our universe. Uh, every game thus far has taken place in on the planet site. And this game is about a an astronaut who is working for the organization Paragon on a top-secret mission to investigate the planet Carthank, their nearest neighbor. Um, so basically, it's a astronaut horror, but it, it, they come upon the ruins of an ancient civilization that has suffered an apocalypse. And basically, they're trying to unearth clues to stop an apocalypse in the present and the guy just does not have any luck in the temple it's kind of like uncharted nathan drake just keeps keeps getting shit on tale as old as time time. sorry i haven't talked for like 30 minutes i uh i'm not very much plugged into uh the game jam going on so i'm just as much a a listener as anyone else um but it sounds cool so uh i don't know if this is like a spoiler but uh ted said that a lot of this was inspired by like like the game style was going to be inspired by like pt so um first person exploration um i've only seen a little bit from other people uh but um what's uh well I don't know. Uh, I had a question and I lost it. So, thankfully, no, keep I'm going. The, You'll get there. You'll get thank, there. Thankfully, I'm the editor, so I can edit out my own <laughs> uh, my own brain farts. And uh, but um, you can edit out any of mine you want to. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I, I try to make everybody sound as smart as possible, except Remy. Um, <laughs> Remy could not be with us today because he's got a bad case of the it's rainings and my head hurts, so he's uh, not here. Oh, Another tale as old as time. So, so tell me about your your game universe. I haven't played any of your games. I'm, I've heard a little bit about your studio, um, but tell us about this uh, universe that it takes takes place in. The Sight Saga universe is uh, it's crazy enough. It's actually I started developing it when I was in high school in like 2003 to 2007. I uh, I wrote this rock opera. That was like supposed to be 30 songs and then it Fuck was yeah. 20. And it was like kind of like a heavy metal. Uh, what would it be like? Like Meatloaf, X Japan, Symphony X, Iron Maiden, Man of War, Deep Purple. It was kind of a blend of all these 
this music I, I fucking loved. And there was a story to it. And the story is a post-apocalyptic world with a biker that meets a woman he falls in love with. But then the zombies get released and all this crazy shit. And then years later, when I started releasing albums, you know, this was in high school. I didn't even have the means to record music. I composed this all on Guitar Pro, which is so it became out like MIDI music. Uh, incidentally, it sounded like video games. It sounded like Super Nintendo era. Um, when I started releasing albums, I started dropping them as concept albums set in this universe, but before the apocalypse. So it was a hundred years before the story I wrote in high school. And then the world just kept building as I released albums and then the compilations when it became a label. It was kind of like Pink Floyd, how they released Dark Side of the Moon. What happens if they kept releasing sequels to that and then brought other bands in and Jethro Toll did an album that was set in the Dark Side of the Moon universe? That's how Scythe started. Kind of reminds me of, uh, what's their name? Coheed and Cambria. How they, they're just done like, and ex- like their music is all about this extensive sci-fi universe. And, uh, see, I didn't know that, but someone told me that recently. You heard that. That's pretty cool. I like that. Like they have, uh, like graphic novels and shit like that. Um, I, I'm not too familiar with their music, but I'm definitely impressed yeah. with like, I, ha- I respect the hell out of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, using your music as a platform to create like an overarching story instead of just twelve individual mini stories per album. Yeah, I mean, like rock offers and concept albums. I've I've always been a big prog rock fan, so so it's been like I just like Seventh Son of a Seventh Son from Iron Maiden, Operation Mindcrime from Queensrÿche, uh, Jethro Tull had Thick as a Brick. It's like a forty-eight minute song. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, then I got into jam bands later, which also are long meandering. But that's like kind of my style with video games. Um, I feel like video games in my youth were much more melodic, and they had themes and motifs that repeated a lot, like Legend of Zelda, Mega Man, Castlevania, all those old games, Mario, Star Fox 64, all the Zelda songs. They, they had really catchy themes that stuck with you forever. And uh, when I approach video game soundtracks, I want to bring back the heroism and um, blend it accordingly with stuff. Like the walls closing in finale song, I went, took me a whole weekend and it's like a 12 minute track. It's just, it, I tried to take elements from the entire trilogy and put it into one song that just plays out and try to stir nostalgia in people from a game they played a year ago. And I, I don't know if it worked, but I hope it did. I don't know. It's a, it's a lost art. Every time I play like a like a retro game, I'm baffled at how like like kind of unpleasant the music is. Like I mean, I'm not sure if that's part of it. Like I'm supposed to maybe if I listen to like if I played Mega Man for the first time again now, would I find the music unpleasant? At the time I loved it. At the time I was like, Oh, this is super cool. The beeps and the beeps. It has its own charm. It's like yeah. a, the chip tune. Exactly. Um, but like if I try to play uh I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to insult any games cuz Nope, insult them, do it. What's up? Don't be a bitch, insult them. Okay. Yeah, robot cuz I'm just going to gush about them anyway, so it'll be good uh, cop bad cop. A robot named Fight. Super awesome game. I loved it. I could not fucking stand the music. So annoying. Um, games that the soundtrack threw me off, but I um like, uh, yeah, I can't think of any, but like, um, like Goldman's great adventure on N64 that the music in that game is so incredible. Like the bass lines are just ripping and, but all right, all right. I, I got one. How about left for dead? I, I, uh, made a mod for left for dead or I started to, I was going to call it left for shred. Nice. And it was going to replace all the music with 80s synth because I, the, the soundtrack is fucking phenomenal, but I wish that it was more synth based. Like I, horror is way too orchestra y now in present yeah. day. It's, it's so synth- the thing about Left 4 Dead that I love, um, that's interesting, especially since we're talking about sound design. And basically, oh, so amazing. Well, the thing about Left 4 Dead is that, you know, when you, when you, the cool thing about it is that, the sound design for it is is paramount to the soundtrack um, because like so much of the game is audio cues. So when a hunter spawns, you'll have that hunter sting that you can learn to recognize. Or when a horde spawns, you'll hear that do. It's like 
oh, cool. So like I or no, that's the witch sound. Um, but like basically like each thing has a different sound that Dude, becomes it's, its own. It was I said it's an ingenious soundtrack. Like yeah, sign that the dynamics of it like completely inspired everything I do. Like it, me trying to make that sound pack and getting half done. I never finished it, but once we started making video games, I was like, oh, I have cues. I have. Like, I, I just knew exactly what I needed to do. Like, all right, every song is going to be the same tempo, the same key. No matter when you trigger a cue, it's going to fit in the soundtrack as if you're composing the music as you play the game. That's what they did, and it was so amazing. I just wish it was more synthy, that's all. <laughs> no, I get it. It's like we all have the style that we want. And that's the cool thing about Left 4 Dead, though, is that, you know, especially with all Valve games, is that uh, when they release their games, they, they release them with uh, sufficient modding tools that if you want to make it with the synth soundtrack, go right ahead, you know? Going back to what you were talking about, like, about, like, opera music, uh, like, I was thinking about how, you know, that used to be, like, really powerful stuff. Like, I remember playing, uh, you know, Dark Souls for the first time, and the Ornstein and Smo fight had, like, that music was super cool. And then, but, like, they had to keep amping it up, and so by the time we get to Dark Souls three like, it's just a choir like screaming at the top of their <laughs> lungs like the, the hardest <laughs> opera music possible because like they got it they keep trying to capture that intense feeling and it's like i don't know i don't know how you how you deal with that problem that power creep but for music <laughs> the power There's creep for things music. called um, orchestral shepherds or tonal shepherds and uh, literally it's just a noise that always sounds like it's ascending or descending. Usually it's ascending. Like uh, the stairs in Super Mario 64. Yeah. It always sounds like it's rising. But it, it, it's like, I don't know how they do it. They're just wrapping different things around. So it, 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 the tone is always kind of, I don't know, it's, 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 it's impossible to explain. It's, it's yeah, weird. It's, it's crazy. It's like an MC Escher uh, mute song. It's pretty wild. You know, when I when I um, was teaching uh, the video games is art class, um, which everyone will know about because every single person that's listened to this podcast has listened to every single previous podcast because their fans are so dedicated. No, um, I, uh, I, I taught a class at UC Berkeley for uh, two and a half years. It was like a real student taught class. Uh, sorry. It was a student taught class, but it was a real class with real units. We had a faculty sponsor. We had to get a curriculum improved and everything. It was video games and artistic media. And I always had one class specifically on uh, sound design, not because I'm a particularly gifted musician or I'm a good sound designer, but uh, because, you know, the, the, the artistic, the, the whole point of the class was to point out how video games as art work differently than other art mediums. Because every art medium, when it's invented, essentially has to figure out how it works. You know, it's like um, early film was just, pointing a camera at people walking on the street and being like, isn't that cool? <laughs> it's like you yeah, had to figure out how to make a movie. Um, and with games, there's a lot of uh, the language of games and how things work that we have to figure out. And music is one of them because, you know, if you have uh, a moment that's supposed to be really, really, really climactic and you don't have the right sting or soundtrack or something, uh, it can fall completely flat. And at the same time, if you have this soaring soundtrack for when a dude's just like, you know, walking through a hallway you're going to be like, oh man, something great's going to happen. And then if you just, if you don't deliver on that, it's like, what's going on? Uh, and so I've always found that sound design, especially in horror, is like one of the most important parts. Definitely. Uh, I definitely agree with you. To, just to pat my own ego on the back. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just, you, you're wringing emotions out of people. That's why I, I enjoy my role on the team so much. I get to world build i get to write the stories we all work together on all these things we're all i guess full stack developers i guess you could call it i don't know but i get to be john carpenter kind of like i get to write the stories and the music so that they're perfectly in sync emotionally and um and then caleb is everyone else that makes the movie and blake and henry they do everything else they're every other person working on the movie which is just insane uh, I'm not trying to overstate my role, but it's just it's awesome to be able to do the the, the uh, story and the music, and then I do graphic design to to add in war items. So, just trying to flesh this universe out where it feels organic, and every horror trope can be accounted for in a way that doesn't feel unearned. Like, 
Like we have a slasher and an evil government corporation in the same universe, but they kind of fit, you know? So that's like the end goal of Scythe is to be this giant sprawling universe with movies, comic books, graphic novels that all tie into the same world. Every horror trope somehow makes its way in, but, but through the lens of this, like we have really cool, unique takes on certain horror tropes that I can't even talk about. It'd be spoiling a game four games down the line, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've been developing it for so long that like everything like we're releasing is before the moments that happened on the albums, the story, which is post apocalypse, like spoil or our games are going to go through an apocalypse. Like that's a, it's going to change the trajectory of everything we make. But we're 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 building up to the apocalypse, and I'm not going to spoil what causes it. It's going to be way down the line. Yeah, um, that's the thing that okay. So wanting to learn about the apocalypse that happens in the in the Scythe universe, um, you know, you've been hinting at it kind of for a while, especially in the uh, Happy's Humble Burger Bar. How does a game where it's a simulator of making fast food uh, tell you about the apocalypse? I don't know. You're just going to have to play it and, and find out. Maybe donate a dollar or two when you, when you find the game on itch.io. Give them five bucks. Who knows? Anyway, um, but the Scythe universe is, I, 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 when I first discovered it through, uh, playing Entity, I was like fascinated because I'm like, because you can see it's so many creators are afraid of, showing people their earlier works because of how it's changed over time. Whereas with the Scythe universe, uh, it's kind of just all there. Like, you know, you were saying it's like something you started creating in high school, but you know, it originally started as these albums and it's, it's a bit messy and it's like, it's hard. It's hard to, there's no, it's like, there's no wiki for it. You kind of just like figure it out as you go along and there's, there's rough edges to it, but it's that kind of unfettered uh, creativity that that's like super compelling and that you can get lost in it. Like a, like it's, it's its own rabbit hole and you don't uh, too much. Say again. Oh, you don't want to like reveal too much of the story. You want some things to be on. Like people want to know the entire origin of the slasher. You're going to get that, but it's such a big revelation that it's going to be, it's going to be, you're going to play as him in the game and, and, and a cop and you're going to investigate the murders you commit as the killer, as the cop. And then it's going to end in the crazy climax and you're going to find out just what makes him tick. But, to reveal that now would ruin the buildup, you know, because mm-hmm. like if we want to end this world, we want people to be attached to it first and yeah. like, Oh, I played all these games and now I'm, now I see the ruins of a King's comfort after the apocalypse. Whoa. Right. Well, and that's the thing that's like when you're playing uh, through entity, it takes place in the same place as which other game. I can't remember. Westbury Grove. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. yeah. And if you don't know that, then it's like, well, and if you've played the previous one, you're going to be like, oh shit, this is the same place, but in a different perspective at a different time and with a different a year later. Yeah. Threat. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just, I just find it all pretty fascinating. Uh, Jesse, you should definitely check them out if you haven't. Yeah. I'm definitely going to spend, I'm definitely going to buy maybe five copies of the $7, uh, package i will spend and convince all of my friends to spend as much money as possible on, on, our, <laughs> on our new game yeah well you don't have to pay for that because you know i can get you i have a pretty good in with the guy that will have the codes <laughs> yeah if anyone wants a wall we're closing in code by all means just ask me i'll send it right over yeah i mean most of uh, and I think that's a big reason why we were able to get a big audience quick just it was a good synergy it was a perfect storm so to speak like we're yeah. super appreciative that we even have anyone playing our games, never mind being asked to be part of a epic game jam from like reputable you know, like everyone in this is pretty I think they're all pretty talented at what they do, like from the game developers to the people making the whole thing happen. So it's just yeah. cool to be a part of it. So early too, like we're we're just completely shocked we're able to be part of something like a year and a half or two years into the game development. But yeah. that's why we kept after we abandoned so many projects because there was like three years of games that didn't get finished. So I guess we're, I'm underselling how long we've been at it. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, and it, I, I would definitely say that the reason I, one of the reasons I picked you guys is because you guys can deliver quality products in such a tor- short time frame. Cause I think entity was made in what? Three days. No, no, it was a week. I think two weeks. Oh, well, whatever. So, it's, it's the thing is it's kind of scattered in the, in that, um, 
like, all right, Senile Showdown. I finished that. My com- contribution to that in like a day. Senile Showdown was a week too. Uh, Entity was like a week, but I started work. Kind of like how one of uh, the devs in this did their game in the, the week prior, and then everyone else is working this week. Uh, I think I did my contributions to Entity a week after everyone else was done, or something like that. I don't remember, but it, it, we all each had seven days. Yeah, it was like seven days. Yeah, uh, Happy Tumble was like a month. Um, King's Comfort was less than a month. We made that right after Northbury Grove. We started on Halloween and released it early December or late November. I forget. Before uh, we started on Unity, I had another friend I collaborated with that I haven't like spoken with in a while. I just haven't seen him. But um, we did a. I was making a game with the RPG Maker, and it was like it was, I think it was called Christmas Cove, and like your pirates that try to help Santa stop the zombie apocalypse. Nice. And like, yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. It was like Mario brother parodies that like ask you to get them, uh, psilocybin mushrooms to, in order for them to open the bridge for you. And then they rob you. Then they make you get them rupees. I don't know. It was, it was pretty absurd. We never, <laughs> it. and like, it would always be like, you're, you think you're going to fight, but then it's just like, get ready for combat of knowledge and then it's just like questions it's like oh damn it like when when am i going to get to do the final fantasy turn-based combat you're not you're not going to be able to sorry it was comedy it was like adult comedy it was kind of very south parky we never finished it (laughs) it's cracking me up it was like uh the stranger from uh resident evil what's your boy in what you selling no no cash (laughs) thank you buy it for a high price sometimes i can nail it sometimes i can't what are you buying? What are you buying? You gotta have want... the right amount of phlegm. Yeah. I quit cigarettes. I, I can't get it anymore. Someday. Yeah. Yeah, same, actually. That's funny. It's like, um, this uh, this pandemic has been really good for not smoking. <laughs> I think I might have had that shit. And, like, I, I got a sickness in February that forced me to quit cigarettes. And I just never picked them up again. And I, I don't know. I worked at a FedEx, so, like... I was kind of worried about the international commerce aspect of, uh, and then I worked out of state. So like everyone's like, I'm essential. I'm like, I'm essential in Connecticut and Massachusetts. <laughs> Cause I work out of state and I live in. So they sent me two letters like, you're cool to leave. I was just like, Ugh. I took the time off. This game jam was, uh, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna take a leave of absence cause this is more yeah. potentially getting sick. Yeah. No, I feel that. I mean, it's, um, the, the 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 Rona has not been so bad for me because I already worked indoors except for the the mental sanity hit that I've been taking every day, because um, I'm with my uh, I've decided to come stay with my parents for the outbreak because uh, they're they're getting up there and um, I wanted to be able to help out if they needed help you know go yep. grocery shopping yep. uh, do the, the basically catch the Rona for them if they need it uh, and uh, but I forgot that grown men can't live with their parents because something bad happens where your, your mother reverts to you being like 14 years old. And, uh, like I was, I was like taken, we might have to edit this out, but I'm just going to, I'm going to fly into the story and see how it goes. So, uh, I was, I was like taking a shit and my mom knocks on the door and she's like, how you doing? And I'm like, well, you know, I really am not used to people asking me how I'm doing while I'm taking a shit. So I guess I'm okay. And uh, she's like, well, you just shit like an hour ago. So I wanted to make sure you're okay. And I was like, you can't be taking like tabs on how often I shit. That's like not okay. (laughs) Like if I was like eight, and you were trying to make sure that I didn't like I, I didn't like have like I don't know shitty virus. I don't like, even know what makes you shit a lot. Something. Yeah, exactly. Then like maybe, but like I'm I'm thirty, like I'm thirty and I'm staying here for like your benefit. Like you can't be monitoring how often I shit. And um, so I I just you know I punched her in the face. No, I didn't. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but that's like the sanity hit I take every day is like there's little tiny things that like there's no like functional reason why it should bother me so much that like, oh, that's that's weird. That's weird that you're you're taking. Uh, I guess I guess the reason it bothers me is because like if it was anyone else, I'd just be like, well, I guess you can go straight fuck yourself. But like, I can't say that to my mom, you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> you could try. In, in the times like this, these trying times. Is that <sighs> yeah, I mean, the problem, the main problem is, is that, you know, she's old enough now that she could just keel over at any moment. And, like, I don't want her last memory of me to be like, stop checking on how much I shit you, bitch. And then she dies. <laughs> like, what if she dies from the shock of it? That would be rough. You kill your mom with That's your back. It's like sneezing now. Sneezing could be a dangerous thing. <laughs> you sneeze yeah. at the wrong door. It might be. Hey, Actually, Jesse, the last, the last. What is that? Oh, is that your? Is that your dog? Is it, can we hear your dog? Is that what is going on that in the background? Is the dog. What's his oh, name? Okay. Richie. Tell him I said hi. Hey, Richie. Just let him go out and poop. Probably. He sounds very dancy. Oh, he's a big, big boy. 80 pounds, I think. He's, I think he's got Kane Corso or Daro Argento. Not, that, that's not Do- Dogo or, or Argario. I forgot what it's called. I, I don't know, dog. He's... Jesus Christ. All I know. Know. It's like, I, I could have been, I could have done anything, but I just put all my effort into like learning VST banks and, uh, how to design, um, the sound of squishy tendril monsters in outer space. I mean, that's a good skill. Uh, every, every, I would say half the questions I've gotten so far about the project is, are there going to be weird tentacles in it? Which is like, I'm, I'm like not even joking. People have directly messaged me that. I'm like, that's a strangely specific question. What's your avatar? Oh, it's a furry avatar. Okay, now I understand. Oh, no. We're going <laughs> to... You know hey, what? Let them if, you know, if, like the game. It's awesome. Yeah, you, you can like whatever you want, however you want it. I'm not here to tell you what you should or shouldn't do with the game. Um, we are not directly making porn, but if you want to use it as that, then that's your call. Yeah, yeah. In fact, one of the jokes I used to crack about our games is we're not successful until there's uncommissioned uh, hentai of our games. <laughs> like, if, if you just Google our games and then you see a hentai uh, creation of it, it's like we made it. Yeah, Un- uncommissioned by you. Someone else could commission yeah. it if they want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As long as it wasn't our doing, because then it's false. It's, that's just <laughs> false. It's, it doesn't count. Have I ever told you the story, Jesse, about the guy that made furry porn that I knew? Remy? (laughs) No, 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 no. He's making the dolphin rape game. Um, Oh, jeez. No. I I kill up sort of... uh, No, uh, King of the Hill. (laughs) Hank Hill gets uh, violated. That was a good episode. That was a great show. Probably the greatest cartoon ever. Uh, South Park, in my opinion. We're, we're actually running out of time here, so we'll have to tell the furry porn story on the next podcast. We'll just launch into it with the next guest without explaining how we reached this, this conversation topic. Whoever that next guest is going to be is going to be very confused. Um, but, uh, John, is there anything else you wanted to talk about real quick before we uh, sign off here? Uh, you know, stay safe. Be kind to each other. It's like the site slogan that we put in all our games. Just in case anyone's like, you know, it's like a disclaimer, like the South Park guys have. Like, but we like to say, be kind to each other because uh, no one can get mad at what we do. You know, there's some gory stuff, but we want people to know we're just trying to scare you in good faith. And for everyone to, you know, stay safe out there, all that stuff. Uh, a lot of our games are free on Itch.io. We got a Discord. And definitely check out the Dread X collection. It's going to be the creep show of video games. I'm saying it. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, and so yeah. far, it's gonna be it's gonna be like that. It's gonna be it's gonna be a horror anthology video game for the ages. Uh, yeah, that's everyone's turning out. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's why I got this diverse group together. We're gonna be seeing a lot of really weird stuff from a lot of like completely different things from different people. It's like like I was saying, it's like we got a spooky house game. We got to have a spooky house game and a game about uh. Spooky, spooky games. Someone's gonna make a spooky house game, but we also got like a mixture of a JRPG with a card game. Uh, that one, oh, that yeah. one. So, that looks <laughs> like a link to the past. See, I you asked me earlier which ones I liked. I like them all, and I forgot. I wanted, you know, give a shout out to everyone involved, all the devs, and uh, to the listeners. I guarantee you, a lot of these people and us, we're all gonna be doing little projects and collabs down the line. I'm sure, and uh, I'm also looking forward to who you get for round two of this. Yeah, well, I haven't announced any of those guests yet, but I, I will let people know that we have already started collecting people for round two. So that's going to be pretty cool to, when I'm able to announce that. But, uh, 
yeah, we got a lot of really cool stuff coming up. Uh, we got going to be talking to the rest of the developers in the you know coming weeks. Uh, we're going to have a really, really kind of tight podcast schedule here because we're trying to get all 10 in within the next two weeks. So um, expect a lot of podcasts to be dropping. And, uh, you know, just follow us on Twitter if you want to know more. Our uh, Twitter following has really increased over the past uh, two days, <laughs> really. Um, and uh, just check out the dreadxp.com because that's where all the new news about it's going to be coming from. Uh, and once again, I just wanted to thank everyone that listens. It's been really cool to see you guys coming back week after week. It's been really awesome to see the podcast grow from uh, basically being listened to by myself and my mom to, you know, now we have like a solid group of people that listen. It's like weird to see people listening to old episodes every day, just like wanting to hear what we have to say about things as they're probably driving or falling asleep or, you know at the gym it's a good niche you've got a good niche podcast you know but uh yeah once again john thank you for joining us um check more out about the the dreadx collection on dreadxp.com and uh we will see you all soon when we uh have our next episode in a couple days so bye thanks for having me appreciate it and then we cut okay cool this will be ronaldo's last words He's outside. He's got some dick pig. The door to die. I don't want to dream many dreams. It sounds like an animal. He's killed everyone. There is no gym left. God is I'm not this most peaceful man. Good night.